The call begins now. Warrior. As warriors, we are brave, keeping watch on the shore. As warriors, free or slave, we fight the war to the grave. We find strength at the core, and we never cave. Warrior. Hey. You know, we're in the middle of a series, and I thought I would take a moment to orient you about where we are. And we're in a series called Warrior, and today's message is called The Enemy's Art of Confusion. There's been a great confusion in the church. And part of the confusion in the church centers around one simple word, and that is truth. And everybody wants to know what the truth is. And when they get the truth, then they use the truth like a weapon to beat you up. Anybody ever been beat up by the truth? I don't know if you get what I'm getting at, but you know, the church has taken that thing called the Bible and they've gone out there and said, hey, the Bible says this, bang, 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 bang. And of course, you all know how successful you are at raising your children when all you do is tell them what's wrong with them. Some of you don't get it yet, right? <laughs> all they do is leave home early. So if you want to get rid of your kid, just, just tell them all the time how wrong they are, how bad they are, what's wrong with them, what they're not doing right, how they don't measure up. And I don't know if you come out of a religious system like that, but I did. And I don't think that was the intention. I think the intention was good. I just think the approach was not healthy. So I want to take us to Ephesians chapter 6 where we are today. And we are going to look at truth, but I want to set it in a, in a setting for you. So he says, finally... Okay, finally means there was something that went before this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we learn that the mighty power of God is what power? Did anybody remember? Love. Power of love. Thank you. Front row right over here. You win the prize. <laughs> the mighty power of God is not the power of aggression. Okay, it's the power of love. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. We looked at the word schemes, how the devil uses the wounded parts of our personality to get at us and to get at other people. And where we're wounded and we haven't allowed the love of God to heal us, then the enemy uses that. And then he goes on to say this, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. It's not your mother-in-law. That's not the problem, okay? It's against rulers, against authorities, powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. There's something going on in, in the spirit world. There's a war going on, and it's being played out here in everyday life. And then he says this in verse 13, therefore, because of all of that, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Listen, the day of evil is any day. It's any day that you get attacked. It's any day that you lose your peace. It's any day that you are living in chaos is the evil day. You may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand. And he's talking about standing in love. Now, now we're gonna go to where we wanna go today. Verse 14, stand firm then. Nothing worse 
than somebody who's not firm, right? You ever seen a picture of a drunk, right? You know, it's just like, right? Nothing like a drunk Christian. I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to be doing here, but I'm standing, Lord, you got me. Stand firm, as we're going to talk about. The belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's the first part of the armor. That's all we're going to do today. We're just going to look at that, okay? So I want to look at the idea about what is truth. In one sense, you know, we think of truth as a series of, of absolute constructs. You know, water is wet, fire burns. But the Bible actually has a completely different view of truth than the way you and I use the word truth. And, and it's summed up in John 14 and verse 6, where Jesus makes this incredible comment and statement. Let's read it together. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh, I tell you the truth. He doesn't say that. What Jesus did was tell us the truth, but that's not what he's saying here. He doesn't say, I tell you the truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the very physical embodiment of truth. When you look at me, you see truth. Well, well, what do you see? Well, you see it, you know, in, in John 3, 16, where, where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? You see, Jesus is the embodiment. He's the personification of love. In other words, he's love wrapped with human skin. And the only truth that you and I really know is the very simple truth, one of the shortest words in the verses in the Bible, God is love. So when you and I look at Jesus, we are looking at the, the, the walking, breathing, eating, sleeping love is what we are looking at. And so when we look at truth and the belt of truth, we're not talking about strapping on some kind of a, uh, an understanding about all of these doctrines or beliefs or things that we think are true. What we're talking about is clothing ourselves, identifying ourselves with the person of truth, Jesus Christ. And part of the reason the world, by and large, hates Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ does stand for the truth. And the world doesn't want to hear the truth. So they reject Jesus, and in rejecting Jesus, they reject the truth. One of the biggest truths is this, this simple thing, is that God loves you. That God loves you. And, and the bigger truth is that God loves you just the way you are. Now, that's an amazing concept, to think that the God of the universe could love me just the way I am. So now I can hear some of your minds, you're talking back to me. And I can hear you. Because you're saying, well, well, don't I have to do something? Like, don't I have to change something? Don't I have to? And you know, my answer to all your don't I have to's is, no, you don't have to do anything except accept the realization that God loves you just the way you are. God, God doesn't treat us the way many of us have raised our children. You know, many of us have raised our children where, in a strange way, approval gets dispensed uh, based on behavior. 
right? And you understand that, right? So if, if you do this, you're a good little boy. If you do that, you're a good little, you're a little, good, little, good little girl. Oh, you didn't do that. You're a bad little boy. You're a bad little girl. God doesn't, even, God doesn't even come close to that human construct. When God looks at you, he just loves you. And he loves you exactly the way you are. Turn to somebody and say, God loves me just the way I am. Okay, now, now everybody say it to me, okay? Because I need to hear it too, okay? Ready? What is it? God loves you just the way I... Yes, because I didn't believe that. I can't tell you how many years I didn't believe that. I, I heard about it. People would say it, but I didn't believe it because I always thought I had to earn God's love. Now... In John chapter 8 and verse 32, there's this incredible verse that's so simple. It says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, when we put this verse into the context when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then I go over and I look at this verse, then I will know the truth. What truth is it that I need to know? I need to know Jesus. When I know Jesus, Jesus will set me free. That's what he's talking about here. When I know, set me free from what? Well, I got, I got lots of really nice religious answers. For those of you on radio that can't hear, they're shouting out sin and all sorts of things. Well, you see, see truthfully, and I spent all week messing with this, okay, because I wanted the answer to this question. I really think the Bible, I'm going to show it to you, the Bible when it says you shall know Jesus, the truth, and the truth shall set you free, I really believe it's set free from the fear of believing that God could never love us the way we are. That's what I think it is. That when you know, really know Jesus, then you come to understand that I'm free from this fear of that God won't love me, that I'm not lovable, that, that God couldn't possibly love me the way, the way I am. I must, I'm going to have to do something for God to love me. And I think that's really the fear. It's not the... I, see, I've worn a mask for many, many years. I don't know whether you wear masks or not. But you know, I, I let people see the me I want them to see, right? And for many years, I wore, even wore a mask in my marriage because I, I really believe that if you knew me just the way I was, you wouldn't want me. And I believe that that's a fear that resides in an awful lot of us. And I think, I think it shows up in words like, you know, you know I'm not good enough, I, I, I can't, amount to much and, and I'll, I'll, I'll never be what I'm supposed to be so I tell you what I'll just, just wear a mask in fact I remember uh, many many years ago I, I dated a woman before Eileen and, um, and she said to me well wh where's the real you I, I never get to see the real you 
And, and I said, well, that's simple. I said, right now you're looking at a brick wall that I built in front of me, but I'm building the real me behind it. And one day I'll take down the brick wall and you'll be able to see the real me. Oh, is that some form of powerful rationalization or what? So let me tell you where it happens, okay? Let me try to explain this to you. Because I think the greatest weapon the enemy has against you is when he whispers in your ear, you're not lovable the way you are. You're just not quite good enough. You're close. Ah, some of you aren't even close. That's what he whispers. Isn't that what he whispers? Right? And so where did it come from? Well, well, let's go all the way back to to the Garden of Eden and the story about Adam and Eve. Right? And you know what happens there? You know, uh, Eve gets deceived, but Adam voluntarily disobeys God. And so when Adam disobeys God, he introduces sin into the human race. Okay? God's not responsible for sin. Adam's responsible for sin. He introduces it into the human race. And, and so now there's this brokenness between he and God. And if you remember the story, God comes looking for him. And, and it's, it's an interesting kind of story. God calls out to the garden, where are you, Adam? I mean, God knew where he was, right? But he's calling to Adam because he wants to hear what Adam's going to say. And Adam says, I'm over here. Well, what are you doing behind the tree? I'm hiding from you. Why are you hiding from me? Well, because I did what I wasn't supposed to do. And you could just add the line, and now you won't love me anymore. So what does Adam and Eve do? They try to solve their own problem. I mean, it's genius, right? They go out and they stitch some fig leaves together, right? And they cover their shame and their nakedness that's born out of their fear that God won't love them anymore. And they stitch this all together and they're walking around now with their little fig leaves. Okay, so like hanging from a belt, right? Little fig leaf hanging from a belt. And, and, and God goes, listen, Adam, I know you introduced sin into the world and you brought it here and now you're afraid. But I tell you what, Adam, I'm going to go and make you a different belt. And God goes away and the story in Genesis says that he had to kill an animal. He had to shed blood. And he kills an animal and he makes them a belt of skin from a slain animal. And he puts it around them. And he says, listen, listen, I'm I'm not accepting your solution, Adam, for sin, for covering yourself up and wearing a mask and pretending you are what you're not. I'm going to accept responsibility for this sin and I'm going to cover you and I'm going to shed blood. And that shedding of blood is a foreshadowing of what was going to happen thousands of years later on the cross when God himself as Jesus would come in human form and spill his own blood to cover your shame and to cover your sin. And that's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. See, see, I think this belt of truth that, that he's talking about in Ephesians is that belt of love, that incredible love that Christ gives to us, you know, that, that covers our shame and covers our nakedness. And when God looks at you today, God has no way of seeing what you were. He actually doesn't even see you. You know the you that you see inside you? 
the you that wakes you up at night, that, that your mind keeps talking about, and the you when you look in the mirror, and the you that disappoints you, you know, and, and the you that frustrates you, and the you that gets angry. God doesn't even see that at all. He doesn't see it. Now look at, let me take you to Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10. And the prophet says this in the Old Testament, I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God. Now watch. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of, what's the next word? His righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And Isaiah says, what God has done is he has covered me with something. He has covered up what I'm wearing now with a robe of righteousness. And in this armor, we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness means being made perfect or being made complete is what it means. It means that I have fulfilled the law of God and I'm in alignment with God. So God has fulfilled the law of God for me and he clothes me in this robe of righteousness so when he looks at me, he doesn't see what you are wearing. He only sees Jesus. He doesn't see that you are wearing how unhappy you are with yourself and how discouraged you may be with yourself. He doesn't see that, well, that, that you're repeating your failures again and again and again. He doesn't hear you say, oh, I can't measure up. He just looks at you and he sees Jesus. See, we already are. We already are everything that God says we are. We're already it. Our challenge and the challenge that the devil brings to us is to learn to live out of that being already are. We want to live out of what we're not and we try to live up to things. And we try to to live a life based in performance rather than live a life flowing out of his presence. Now where do I get all of that? Well, let's take the New Testament, Romans chapter eight. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses got hundreds of favorite verses. There is now, what? No condemnation. For those who are in, just means clothed with Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You're running around, you're condemning yourself. Some of us, because we know it all, condemn other people. Because we're smarter than them. This is, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, how could that be, Paul? Verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set me free from the condemnation of sin and death. I'm already set free from it. He's already done it for me. And he explains how in verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. So read law, read read rules and regulations. For what the rules and regulations were powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh 
to be a sin offering, to offer himself in my place. So when he hung on the cross, he said, I'm going to offer myself in Jeremy's place, in Sue's place, in Harry's place, in George's place. I'm going to offer myself. Why? Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. So, so now I am right. I am perfect. I am complete. I am in alignment with God. Why? Because we don't live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you say to me, yeah, but it's not working for me. I understand all that, but I'm still a pretty bad boy. Or I'm still a pretty bad girl. And I'm saying, listen, you need to see yourself the way God sees you and start to live out of his presence within you. Not to live out of the God over there, that I got to go over here to please God. See, either we're going to try to live up to God's standards, the God over there, or we're going to live out of his presence inside us. And the way in which we mature is to do the next right thing that God puts in front of us, to do the next obedient thing that God puts in front of us. The next thing God says to do, we do. And if we don't do it, and all we do is we, we stunt our growth. We fail to become what we're supposed to become right now but we have to become what God has destined us to become. Now listen, think about that breastplate of righteousness. That's, that's a front covering. The breastplate, the purpose of it, it protects our heart from deception and being detoured away from the truth that you are loved beyond measure right now, right here, and right the way you are. You are loved beyond measure, right the way you are. I'm going to say it one more time. You are loved beyond measure, just the way you are. See, I already am all that God has destined for me to be but I have to grow into it. And I'm going to show you how with the rest of the armor in the weeks to come. I can't just show it to you all today, okay? You're going to have to come back. But this needs to change how you see yourself. You need to begin to see yourself as God sees you. And see, I'll put this up on the screen for you. God is not out there waiting for you to come to him. He's in here in you, wanting you to live out of who he is inside of you. His very presence, his completeness, his, 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 his DNA is in you. Okay, let me try to, let me try to give it to you uh, another way, okay? So I'm going to put a lovely picture up on the screen. Sean, I just have to do this, okay, bud? Thank you. A uh, beautiful picture of a butterfly. Absolutely gorgeous butterfly. Of course it's a butterfly. Absolutely is a butterfly. That is an app. Oh, oh, excuse me. I got to talk to Amy in the front row. She's giving me a hard time today. So finally she said, well, not now. And now you're onto it. Okay. So listen, you see, see, I know that looks like a caterpillar to you. 
I realize it does. But scientifically, according to every test, including a DNA test, this is a butterfly. Because a caterpillar is a butterfly in essence. It will one day display the behaviors and the attributes of a butterfly. The caterpillar matures into the nature, into what's already true about it. When God looks at that, he sees a butterfly. Right now, you may feel like a caterpillar, be a caterpillar. It doesn't matter if I berate that caterpillar. I can go to say, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you a butterfly? No, you're not holy enough. You're not pure enough. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. Why aren't you a, why aren't you a butterfly? You're just a stupid little caterpillar. Nothing's ever going to happen with you. <laughs> Sounds a little bit too familiar, doesn't it? I got another picture there I'll put up for you. It's uh, just the life cycle because I wanted you to see it. See, there's a little caterpillar up there. And then there's that thing down below called a chrysalis. That's another little stage. And he's working really hard to break free of that shell. And then suddenly there's that beautiful monarch butterfly. And then he goes and he lays some eggs. And there they are, the eggs on the tree. And those eggs become a caterpillar. And the caterpillar becomes a chrysalis. And the chrysalis becomes a butterfly. But, but everything, uh, that beautiful monarch butterfly that you and I love is already in that caterpillar. You see, so it is with us in that God has given us the DNA of his righteousness. We are already saints. That's why so many of the New Testament books write, he says, you know, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints at Philippi, nothing we will do will make us more righteous than we already are. Nothing you will do. You can't do anything. Nothing we will do will alter this reality. God knows our DNA and now he's asking us to join him in what he knows is true. That's what God's asking us to do. Just agree with him. Begin to live out of it. Okay, listen, I want to bring this home to you today. This changes the war in seven ways that I could think of. You may think of more of them but I want to show you the seven ways it changes the world. First of all, we receive this armor as a gift from God. We receive Jesus as a gift from God. I'm not working to do this. I can't work to put on the belt of truth. I can't work to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's who I already am. I need to learn to live out of that. We're going to talk about it in the weeks to come. Number two, I now see myself as who God says I am. I may be a caterpillar on the outside, but I'm a butterfly on the inside. Turn to somebody and say, I may be a caterpillar, (laughs) but I'm a butterfly. (laughs) I may be a caterpillar, I now might see myself as who God says I am. I am a caterpillar. I may not look like it. You look at me, it doesn't look much like a caterpillar. 
I'm a caterpillar and I'm going to repeat I'm a caterpillar because Jesus makes me a caterpillar because God says I'm a caterpillar. Later on, we're going to discover because God's word says I'm a butterfly. I'm going to be a butterfly even though I look like a caterpillar. One day I'll be a butterfly and I'm going to fly and I'm going to fly all the way to Mexico and I'm going to lay more eggs and there's going to be more butterflies and I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to change the world because I'm a butterfly. I may not look like it today, but that doesn't matter. So what does that do? It changed the war number three. Well, it means I'm free to love others as I am loved for who I am. And I can love them for who they are. Well, what does all that mean? It means that I don't need you to love me to confirm who I am. Jesus already has done that for me. He's already loved me. He already says I am. I don't need you to do that for me. And if you're asking people to love you like that, you've got your attitude misplaced. You need to look at Jesus to love you like that and and forget about other people because they ain't going to be able to love you the way you need to be loved. It is not going to happen. So I don't have to swap love. You love me like this, I'll love you back like that. That's not what it's about. I'm already loved. So in a really strange way, I don't need you. Right? Right? I don't need you for that. And I need you, but I don't need you for that. I don't need you to confirm my identity. I don't need you to confirm my worth. I don't need you to confirm my value. I don't need any of that because Jesus has already done that. I'm just a little bit dense. I'm not living quite out of it yet. I got to figure out what that means for me. But I can stop, you know, asking you to do something for me you can't possibly do. It's setting us both up for failure. So now I'm just going to love you. Just love you the way you are. Today you look pretty ugly because you look like a caterpillar, but I'm going to love you anyways. (laughs) Number four, we no longer need to beat people up with the truth as a series of principles. I don't need to go out there and hammer people on the head and say, what you believe is not correct, what you believe about that is not right. I don't need to do any of that stuff. I just need to live the truth, which means to live out of love. I don't need to go out into the world and beat people up. Because every time I beat people up with the truth, what I'm really doing is I'm using truth as a weapon of power. Okay, and it says, I got more power than you because I got the truth and you don't. That's what you do when you try to say to people, oh, this is true and that's not true. And you're just trying to play a power game. Number five, we now see the church as an army of lovers. I love you, you love me, a whole bunch of caterpillars crawling around, and we're loving each other. Oh, there's the odd chrysalis over there. Oh, look at that one. He's got some wings, he's flying. Oh, God bless him. Yeah, we need a few, we need a few butterflies, my God. We need a few butterflies. I like number six. It's actually one of my favorites. We let imperfect people in. Right? Come on. We let people in. They're imperfect. They're screwed up. They're messed up. We let him in. Why? Because we're all on the journey together. We're all in the process of becoming butterflies. So we let him in. It doesn't matter. They come in and they disturb things. They upset things because they're weird and they're different. And they don't understand what we're supposed to be doing. And they use bad language. You know, some of them come to church drunk the odd time. (laughs) We just let him in, man. They're just in process. God loves them. They're just in process. Um, Number seven, 
uh, we, we serve others as a demonstration of our love without needing anything in return. Kind of talked about that earlier. But you know, we, we go out and we, when, you, when you say, you know, you serve others in love, what the Bible already talks about when it says that is that, that we identify with the Christ in that other person. Okay? We start to see Jesus in them, even when they don't see Jesus in them. We start to see Jesus in them, and that's who we serve. You know, we're serving them, but we're serving the Jesus in them. And we don't need anything back. You know, if they, if they throw us aside, if, if, they, if they don't want to be loved, I said to somebody the other week, there's some people that I have tried to love who won't let me love them. They just won't. Well, then I can only do my best. I can only try and love. But I don't have to march away in rejection and anger and frustration. Can you imagine what is going to happen to the world around us when this army of lovers just goes out and begins to serve and love people without expectation, without anything in return, without judgment, without pointing out how caterpillarish they really are, without any of that. Just, just, I mean, this is what the world needs. The world doesn't need me to go out and stand on a soapbox and say, you know, the Bible teaches this. This is truth. You were wrong. I am right. You know, the world doesn't need that. There's a place for that. I'm not saying we don't do it, but it's not the primary place for you and for me. Our primary place is to love and to love the way Jesus is. I want to sum you up with one verse, John 13 and 35. Amazing verse, John 13 and 35. Here's the way, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not if you got the right slant on doctrine or the right set of beliefs or your eschatology is correct, whatever that is. But by this, who, what's the next word? Everyone. The world is waiting for this, man. The world is just waiting for a, for a bunch of people to go out there and just love on them and serve them and ask for nothing in return, and just see Jesus in them as broken as they are. The world is waiting for that. And if you do that, we can change the world. We don't have to worry about about other things. The world will just change. It'll just change. It'll just happen. And it needs to start right here with you, okay? It needs to start with your commitment to stop judging yourself and start to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. And I'm going to help you do that in the next few weeks, okay? It starts with you stopping to judge other people, okay? And just just love on them as as best and as safely as you can in the environment that you're in. Just just love on them and try to see Jesus in them, although it's hard sometimes. Just try to see Jesus in them and just watch what God does. There's an old song um, and, the, and the Gaithers wrote it many years ago. And part of it was, uh, I said, if you knew me, you wouldn't want me. Uh, my face is hidden by a mask I wear. And the answer is, Jesus said, my son, my child, my scars go deeper. It was love for you that put them there. Whatever mask you're wearing, you can feel free to take it off because God already sees it. And, and feel free to take it off. And we, as a, as a group of caterpillars, will, will 
really do our best in the journey to love you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Hey, are we going to mess it up? Sure. Are we, are we going to trip it up, up a bit? Yeah. But right now, we'll do our best. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you've given us Jesus to wrap around our waist and you've given us Jesus as the breastplate of righteousness. And Lord, we've got to stop trying to measure up because you've already done it for us. Lord, I pray for something I cannot do and that is that you would make this truth real in the hearts of your children. Father, as we open our heart to you, come and heal. Come and let us know that we are loved beyond measure. In your name we pray, amen. Well, let's do a communion of love today. Here's love beyond measure. Every time I think you want to find your communion cup, if you're new with us or you missed it on the way in, you can get one at the end of an aisle. And if you're at home, you can uh, find something and join with us. You know that, that crazy famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave that whoever believes on him should not perish. What I love about that verse It doesn't ask us to change anything. It just asks us to believe. It just asks us to believe. It doesn't say, for God so loved the world to all of those, you know, who who changed what they were doing, who didn't, who stopped doing what they were doing. He didn't say that. He said, just believe. Because if you're struggling with a behavior, an attitude, or an approach, I'll give you a hint, and again, I'll explain it in the weeks to come. The more you learn to live out of who you are, the easier those behaviors will become a reflection of Jesus. As we live out of who God says we are, because then the devil can't lie to us anymore about you're not, you're not, you're not. You need to say to the devil this week, I am, I am, I am, I am. So here's the love of Jesus right here in this little piece of bread. Would you eat, please? And afterwards, he took the cup. Remember that blood I talked about in, way back in Genesis? When he skinned the animal, he spilled the blood to cover sin. Even though man introduced humanity, introduced sin into the human race, God accepted responsibility for it and found a solution. And that solution is Jesus. Would you drink it? As warriors, we are brave, keeping watch on the shore. As warriors, free or slave, we fight the war to the grave. We find strength at the core, and we never cave. Warrior.